really believe that what you focus on is the most important part of a marriage or a relationship or the person you love, you will always, always find something that you don't like about another human being. But you don't focus on that. You focus on the things that you love and, and magically, that's what you see more and more often. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. <laughs> it's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realize it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast, everybody. What's up, babies? What's up? We have uh, Clo Money in the house, our producer. Clo Money! Hi. Our source of light and inspiration. Did people call you Clo Money before us? Um, yeah. Ugh, uh, don't but, say that. No, but but you guys like milk it, you know? Like other <laughs> friends were like, well, they were like, maybe, you know? <laughs> we like tattooed they were, like, it on our Literally. Yeah, they were like, Clo Money. And I'd be like, ah, and they'd just be like, I give up. Um, or they'd just be like, ah. We, we literally we address you her. adopt it. <laughs> adopt it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's gonna be my yeah. You guys made me change to my on my birth certificate. So what's your middle name? Oh, Ellen. <laughs> Thank you name? for saying that to the world. <laughs> Are you trying to hide it? You know, it's just like not. You know, it's a stigma. It's a stigma. Wait, is your your whole name Chloe? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, is there a longer Chloe? Is there a longer version of Chloe? No, oh, I didn't know if it was like Charlotte. Anyway, I love the name. It's a, oh, we thank you. I'll name. tell my parents. I'll tell Stevens too. Tell your hot dad. Oh my, Krista. It's okay. He doesn't know technology, so he'll never hear this. Literally, Father. dads don't know technology. We're gonna put, if you guys join the secret almost thirty Facebook group. Oh, you're gonna it's about see to get real creepy in there. A really hot dad. <laughs> You need to take a lap. You just need to take a lap. <laughs> take a lap is my favorite thing I've ever been told. Yeah. Take a lap. Do you Clo money like keeps us young. By, keeps us so young. You both need by introducing us to Finsta. phrases Finsta. like. Do you guys know what a finsta um, is? Savage. Apparently, everyone knows what a finsta. Really? I don't really yeah. use. I think they're coming out of style now. Oh, okay. but like you know, that's because we found out about. Can them. you explain what a finsta is? It's a finsta. It's a fake Instagram. So basically, if you have a group of friends, like your top 60 group of friends, that you would be willing to share the, I have like five friends. the secret depths of your, I don't know, your actions in your life that you would never, in embarrassing moments that you would never post on your actual Instagram. Yeah. It's it's kind of the anti-Instagram. You basically are just, it's like your diary. Oh, I love that. So it's like cool. not the highlight reel. Yeah. So like one time I Photoshopped my face onto this like thing of Kendrick <laughs> And I put on my Finsta, like, you know, in the, um, the humble music video when it was like, 
um, him in the row and it was just like him in the middle. I just, I don't know. It's a long story, but basically you can put that type of shit on I there. So it's like for inside jokes. I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like I put scared, a lot of photos like, of my dog. Um, <laughs> so is it like a determinant to who like your friends are is like, well, follow your you're like, stuff? you know that you want your close friends to be like, okay, so you'd obviously have Lindsay follow you. Mm-hmm. Like, like you'd be like, okay, Lynn's got to see this. Like she's got to see this or you like almost 30. Like nations. Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no not no, almost no, certain. No, no, no. You too want big? too big. Yeah. You you're, want like your, too big. you're over a hundred followers on your Finsta. You're oh. like, you need to consolidate. Cause one person's going to talk to another person. And then oh cause you put your gossip on there. You put like your beef on right. there. Yeah. Oh, like I've had people, I wouldn't. I've had people, I'd this is a funny story on there. This is a funny yeah. story. So I had a friend, short story, but I had a friend who had a crush on this boy and he said, and she put like a photo of him on there and she's like, oh my, and she had a name for him, like Frosted Tip Bay. And cause like he a, had like, you know, those nineties Frosted <laughs> Tip things. Oh my God, shut And up. his, a friend who followed the Finsta, one of the 90 people. Mm-hmm. Told, told Frosted Tip Bay. Told a friend who told Frosted Tip Bay. And one time Frosted Tip Bay came up to this girl and said, hey, I heard about your Finsta, like all of that. And like he knew. Damn. It's Damn. like, it's like, you got to be careful who follows your Finsta. I'd it's a cult. so embarrassed. No, yeah. Well, so just, that's why yeah. I kind of stopped doing it because my life's too like serious now. It's like, there's so much at Yeah, stake. true. You've got a business. <laughs> You got a business. My life is too serious now. Yeah, I'm 22 and I have so much fucking at stake. But actually, she's like, Mom, Dad, what's for dinner? Yeah, like, <laughs> I can't let other people know that. I don't know, dude. What. Chloe runs almost 30. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's crazy. CEO. <laughs> Wait, can we tell the story have, about the, the photo shoot? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, Chloe's in town. Chloe lives up in San Francisco, and we are blessed to have her down with us this weekend. And we started our weekend with a uh, video and photo shoot with Lanston Sport. We're doing a special campaign with them. Stay tuned for that. But okay, take it away. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so we get there. It's like four forty in downtown LA. And they have a bunch of people that are shooting. So we're like in line. Yeah, we're in line. Like you're just, there's a schedule and then there's not a schedule. We're going and then we're stopping. So we had been there for like an hour. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was completely normal. Like it was fine. It was great, yeah. but we'd been there for like an hour, and then we and it was were about off. it was about like six thirty. Yeah, and you guys were you guys were like taping. We had to be in Malibu by eight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but yeah. So the producer goes up. Me and Lindsay are are behind the camera. Yeah, you guys are shooting. Right we're now. shooting, and I'm kind of like in my chair. Like I don't really know what to do. <laughs> like, she's just taking. I was a kind of like my back hurts. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she's doing nothing. She's on the finsta. Um, that's and not true. That's absolutely not true. Was I was honestly the producer went up to her. The producer went up to her and was like, what did she say? She's like, so what's the time frame? Like how much time do we have left? And in my head, I'm literally just like, honestly, I've always wanted to be, be asked this. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I just was like, I was like, 10 minutes. We have 10 minutes. She, she told her we have 10 minutes. Like whipped it out with so much confidence. It was a straight just, face. She goes, we have 10 minutes. Literally. And we were like, I saw her do it. And I was like, fuck. And I literally saw my future. Yeah. It was cr- not necessarily Chloe being our whatever, because Chloe's going to be much bigger than that. She's going to actually like yeah. be my boss. But it was like a moment where I was like, damn, like, 
You know what I mean? I it was, was like, rad. I was like, you I just stood was like, in your motherfucking life. But like, I mean, low key, I was like, we do have ten minutes. We're gonna get some Alabama. Yeah, yeah. True. You're like, this looking is at my maps. Virgo analness. To that I mean, I'm not a Virgo. I'm a Leo, but I'm the cusp one day. But I still have so much fucking Virgo in me. But like, yeah, you that was that. You're was, more Virgo than me. I'm a Virgo. I'm not really a Virgo. I'm, yeah, I was very just like I'm having anxiety right now. Mm. Everyone needs to get their shit together. Yeah, it's but so also. True. I just wanted to milk it. Yeah, it was amazing. One in doubt. Yeah. One in doubt. The shoot was milk so it. fun. Lanson's dope. Yeah, the it was amazing. Was awesome. Yeah, that was real perfect. It was. It was, it was really amazing. Great. That <laughs> was great. That was hard, but it was great. No, um, it was, and then we we went to Malibu, and we were lucky enough mm-hmm. to um, stay at the Malibu Beach Inn, which is mm-hmm. our favorite place to um, rest, recharge. And we celebrated 2017 and like started to started plan for 2018. Cultivating 2018. Really exciting. Yeah, that place is so nice. It's like, it's a little slice of heaven. It's it's small, it's intimate, it's quiet. Yeah. And the, the staff food is amazing. Is, the the accommodations are on fleek. This, well, the one, yeah, the staff Every is so good. single thing has been thought of. Yeah, it's like that, you know that phrase, every exactly. word counts? It's like the Malibu Beach Inn is every like everything thing. in that place yes. counts. Mm-hmm. You know yep. the detail in every room, down to the goddamn toilet from yep. space. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. time it's you walk so in, cool. there's a warm it's toilet a heated waiting toilet for you. seat. Yeah. And they'll. I mean, you can wash your little tushy, or you can to just sit there and have like wash my machine. face in there. music. Yeah, she did. It was so clean. <laughs> I washed my whole face in there. <laughs> I never been to a toilet so nice. <laughs> but it's just beautiful, and the room was right on the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, the breakfast we had Carbon Beach Club breakfast was Ugh. bomb. It's so fresh, like yeah. you know. When the lettuce, like you have lettuce and it's just crunchy and crisp, mm-hmm. yes, like that know. is their lettuce. Yeah. And the fruit, that is a like, metaphor. Like, oh, That's honestly fruit. just a metaphor. I know. I was like, actually, I was like, are you giving I us trying, a metaphor? Yeah, I was like, this is a metaphor. <laughs> Wait, what was the metaphor? I missed Crispy it. lettuce to For, Malibu Beach Inn. Beach Inn. I'm like, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is a metaphor. Uh, but we love them and we are- Yeah, so LA babes, I feel like in our group, our secret Facebook group, everyone's always like, what should I do when I'm in LA? You gotta go visit, there. Go, go to there. dinner, go, there. go to brunch. Um, Stay there if you and can. And it's, it's not crazy. It's not bi- crazy busy. Not no. at all. You feel like you're the only person. No. And they, Even though they, you're not. It's like hasn't enough people, well, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. You feel like you're pr- special. They kind of pride themselves on like having that like serenity. They know they know who you are. You walk up to the front, to the check-in. Like, They're ready yeah. for like, you. Hi, almost 30. Oh my God, hi, how are you? you cookies I will okay highly recommend if I were I'm gonna give them like five stars out of five stars on Yelp whatever but the three out of, <laughs> the three out of five is is solely for the cookies who's yeah. why are they getting a three out of five no no, no I meant the three the out of the three five stars, stars out of the five stars I'm okay, giving okay, okay. Yeah. is for the cookies yeah it's so yeah it was bad. amazing Jordan who works there too she's a doll I mean, number on one. it, just down to the very last. No, detail. and she's renovating she's all of it. I mean, she's she's doing all the design, all of the like marketing work. So yeah, we genius. Love her. Yeah, and then amazing. we had our event at Box Union. Yeah, oh, that was great. Box Union. Box um, Union was fun, dude. I like how dark it was. It's like mm. Soul Cycle you for know, boxing. Yeah, you're like on your own kind. Like I, yeah, yeah. you're not on your own. You have a teacher who's uh, Cindy was awesome, but Cindy you're just Rose, kinda, yeah. like. I don't know. You're in your zone. You're in your zone. You're, you're not really, same with salsa. It's you, like that, yeah. that vibe you don't feel where like you're competing. It's a collective consciousness yeah, it's amazing. kind of thing. Yeah. So you're doing bag work. You're doing hit training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to the beat of the music, which is always I like fun that. and you kind of can lose yourself in it. Yeah. And it's a good vibe in the room. It's super clean and modern and mm-hmm. it's really nice. It's on um, Ocean Ave in Santa Monica across from the Lowe's Hotel. 
and we just love them there. So we did an event today. Mm-hmm. Um, about 40 babes showed up and we just rocked it out. It so and we fun. kicked ass. Yeah, we kicked ass, man. All the babes <laughs> kicked ass. So yeah, we're so excited. We're, we're working this weekend, mate. Yeah, we're yeah. Tomorrow we have our Primal Kitchen. I know this episode's going to come out in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, we're Primal just Kitchen event. It's grinding. Be... You know, I think it's grind time. <laughs> it's grind time. And like, honestly, why not? Why not? Just why not? Just yep. do it. Just, just do, do the work. So we were working all day on strategizing for almost 30 for next the, year. For the next year. We're just thinking about new ideas. So. Yeah. Doing like our calendar, figuring out events, guests, yeah. sponsors. Cities we're going to go to. Cities mm-hmm. we're going to freaking yeah, arrive Stay tuned at. for the uh, Almost 30 Meetup Tour. Yeah. It's more like not us going there, but it's more like creating a space where people can come together that yeah. are like-minded. Exactly. A meetup yeah. for all of... You know, and if you have any yeah. ideas, you know, please email almost thirty podcast at gmail dot com because we want to hear you. Yeah, we want to hear what you have to say, and we mm-hmm. love it. We just love it because mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes it's just like, what do you, you so want? Much. Just what do you want? What do you want? I know. Let us know. What do you want from us? What usually, do you want from usually us? Usually, when we're like dry out of ideas, and an email will come in, we're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's like yeah. this is the That's golden it. ticket. That's it. Yeah. We get our ideas from Secret Almost 30 Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of the guests, absolutely. So for next year, we're going to, yeah, we're going to go to Chicago. We'll be in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be in San Fran. And then we also, too, are going to bring on amazing guests that are in um, areas that we've talked about. So like sex, intimacy, those ones did really well. And then also, too, like finance, money, Mm -hmm. more funny dudes. Yeah, yeah, it's funny ladies. Too. We're not going to bring on the same old guests. Yeah, we're going to no diversify in so many ways. So if mm-hmm. you guys have um, suggestions, please let us know. But we are working hard on it, um, and we'll keep you posted so that you can submit questions if you are curious about any of those areas. And this week mm-hmm. we have on Charity Lighten. Charity Lighten is a doll. It was so. It was really like it, I think I cried. Yeah, it was actually very emotional. She was just so like open I like with her story. About her. Charity Lighton is a nutritionist at uh, Silver Fern mm-hmm. and for Silver Fern. And she shared with us her journey uh, with, you know, body image issues, her battle with, um, you know, diets on and off, yo-yo dieting and kind of being obsessed with the outside, with the image, uh, how she looked to being confronted with a barrage of people who she loved getting cancer. And it kind of shifted her perspective. Mm-hmm. So we talk about her journey with her body. And then we also talk about the cancer. We talk about cancer. Her husband actually was diagnosed with cancer recently. So we spent um, quite a bit of time talking about his journey and how he is healing his body with a nutritious and green dense diet. And um, something that really stuck out with me was how Charity spoke about her husband and the love and um, joy and respect that she had for him in their relationship. It was so deeply moving, you know, to hear someone that's been married for quite some time just really feel those butterflies for their husband um, and really love them. So in addition to that, Importantly, too, we talked about the microbiome. We talked about gut health. I feel like I hear about gut health and probiotics and prebiotics all the time. So asking her what exactly those are, she's an expert 
in the gut health space. So what you need to look for in the right probiotic, why you need to take them, why gut health is important, and how to really balance your body from that place so that you feel more calm, more centered, more like yourself, and more at home in your body. Yeah. She also talks about, you know, how she's, you know, she doesn't eat perfectly every day and how you can really focus on what you incorporate instead of what you want to exclude Mm -hmm. um, and focusing on the bigger picture. So if you're incorporating fruits, vegetables, whole grains and that every day, that you're doing really well. So not focusing on those days that you might stray, but um, kind of celebrating the majority of days that you stay on track. Um, So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We know you will. I mean, it's, we go deep with charity and we really thank you charity so much for being so open and honest um, and giving. So yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, Join our secret Facebook group and we love you guys. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for being the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Peace and love. Peace, (laughs) love. Almost 30. (laughs) Enjoy. So I'd love to get started and kind of just bring us back a little bit and talk about, um, you know, your journey. Because I can imagine someone like you that has so much education and that's been in this space for so long that you had some events or you've had some things in your past, maybe with your family or growing up or your body or eating that have led you to pursue this path. Yeah, that's actually really, really funny that you would say that because my first degree, my bachelor's degree is in accounting. So like totally not related at all, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But I have always been a little bit on the chubby side. That's just kind of my body type. I'm a little mm-hmm. curvy. And and I went through so many years where I was like, oh, I will do anything, anything to be skinny. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all those bad things, I tried all of them. And, and then, you know, I was married and then I had baby, 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 baby. And um, I remember just kind of coming to myself thinking, okay, Charity, you've got to get to a point where it's not just about being skinny anymore. Like you've got to really focus on being healthy. And and I think so many women can relate to that. Don't you? Oh, 100%. So how did you get to that point? You know, like what, what was it that made you get to that point? Because I feel like, you know, I I teeter from being one or the other. So, you know, how did you solidly get to that point? I still think it's a fine line. I had, I had an interesting, a few interesting events that happened in my life. One of my girlfriends, I had, I was, had a little nursing baby. She had a little nursing baby and she had a clogged milk duct that wouldn't go away and wouldn't Mm. go away. And finally she got it looked into and they said, you've got aggressive breast cancer. And she was 29. And so the craziest thing happened though, all of a sudden our neighbor across the street got got um, cancer. Two of our friends got cancer. My parents lost their best friends, husband and wife to cancer. It was just, it just kind of felt like it was everywhere. And I remember just having this, this kind of inner awakening going, man, if there's anything that I should know or can do to maybe help my family, then I really want to know. And that's really actually, that was the instigator that kind of, I delved into everything disease related, cancer related. Um, I started teaching classes all over. I became certified as a nutritionist. Um, and lo and behold, uh, it, two years ago, my sweet love of my life was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And we've been battling that battle ever since. Mm. 
So that's kind of what has fueled my my passion. And my passion vacillates a lot between things like gut health, um, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about tonight. Yep. My, my most recent passion has been a little bit of um, how sugar affects our brain because sugar is my Achilles heel. It, it does. Mm. It, it triggers me up. Like it lights my brain like a Christmas tree. Yeah, same. So just different elements of health and nutrition um, have, are always very, very, very fascinating to me. In terms of you know, how you are able to, I guess, approach cancer, whether it's someone close to you or maybe a few, you know, layers away from from your family. How do you think like your science brain kind of interacts with your emotional brain, you know, in terms of how you help people to heal, how you help them gain perspective on the fight, on keeping positive and how that has an effect on, yeah, on the fight yeah. itself? Oh, that's I've- such such a good question. It's funny. All the things that I thought I knew, I don't, don't really know because we, we've, it's been a long road. It's been, it's been a battle and we're still battling. So one thing I've learned is that not everybody's path is the same. There's, there's a lot of people that are strong, strong for alternative treatments. We've done a lot of those. There's a lot of people that are, you know, really strong for conventional treatments. And my take on it now is when somebody has got cancer, as an outsider, your best role is just to love, like just to love whatever your opinions are, whatever you might think you know or don't know. Everyone's journey is quite different, but our journey has been one filled with hope, even even in dire circumstances. Like my my honey is just the type of guy, you know, he'll wake up in the morning and he'll say, babe, give me a kiss. Our future's so bright. Oh. And I'm like, oh. I love you. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's been a journey, but yeah, that was unexpected, right? We weren't even going to talk about cancer tonight. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's part of your path. So how do you stay positive? You know, how do you, how do you both stay positive in the face of so much pain? Well, fear is a really, really real thing and fear can be crippling and when I can, when I, when I can pause and realize that I'm, my thoughts are fear-based, I can go, okay, just take, take a step back. Um, I also have a really strong relationship with God where I've, I've had to really ask myself, do I believe in God? And if I do, do I trust him? So from a very emotional, spiritual standpoint, sometimes I just have to sit back and go, you know what, there's a plan. And and I don't know the answers and I never, I don't think I will know the answers right now, but when I'm in that space, um, there's a very real peace that fills me. And so I just cling to that rather than fear. And have you always had a, such a strong relationship with God or, or has this brought you closer, you know, cause I'm closer to him or her? Yeah, I was, I was raised, I was raised to believe in God. I was raised to pray. Um, but boy, there's nothing like the threat of losing your rock that brings you to your knees faster and nothing that makes you more dependent on a higher power. So yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it has brought me closer in a really cool way. Not in a, not in a, like, um, I'm clinging out of desperation, Mm. but almost like I'm letting go and turning it over to you type of a way. Mm. Taking like the weight off. I think so much of like the pressure of trying to be strong 
is also crippling when you're battling battling cancer. I yeah. it, whether you are or your partner or someone close to you, I think like that pressure can be so much and if you're not equipped with the tools to handle that intense emotion and like like you said fear, I mean. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. faith is everything. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah. How do you stay so in love? This is kind mm-hmm. of off topic, but like the oh. way you speak about your your husband is like so beautiful. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing. I'm I'm not gonna lie, but here's the beauty, which I never ever thought these words would even come out of my mouth. But here's the beauty of cancer: the things that I used to focus on, I used to focus on the ways that we weren't connecting, the things that we weren't doing, areas that we just, I was like, oh, we don't even go to bed at the same time. And we don't like the same things. And all of a sudden cancer has a way of going, um, your focus changes. And I really believe that what you focus on is the most important part of a marriage or a relationship or the person you love. You will always, always find something that you don't like about another human being, but you don't focus on that. You focus on the things that you love and, and magically that's what you see more and more often is just the things that you love. Cause that's what you're focusing on. Yeah, I completely, I do that. I do that. In, I practice that in my own relationship and I have seen, you know, the results of that come back just twofold, just, and it's, you know, it feels weird at first. It feels maybe not weird, but it just feels a little, it's hard to describe, but it's like thinking about all the things you love about that person and really telling yourself, you know, I love that we get along in this way, or I love that we have these interests because if you're in a relationship with someone, the chances are there's hopefully 80% more, 90%. There's a greater portion of them that you love than there are things that are wrong. So really just taking the time to focus on all of those things and you'll see more of those positive things come back to you. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, totally. And, and, and we forget, right? Sometimes we forget or we take them for granted or, you know, I would say something like, oh, we don't, we don't even have anything in common. Mm-hmm. And then he'd be like, babe, like we're on the same team. Of course we do. And then I sit there and think, man, we, we want the exact same things. We want the same future. We, we, you know, I was just angry in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll say in, in the last two years of, of battling cancer, like you just don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like, I just love him. I just want him. I want to wake up to that face every single day. Mm. Yes. I love that. I love that too. Yeah. I love that. It's hard because I, I think cancer can, it could go one or one of two ways in yeah. terms of strengthening or harming your relationship. So I'm so inspired by mm-hmm. your relationship for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I'm one, I'm one lucky, lucky girl. Yeah. So it makes it easy. Okay, so we'll shift into. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, but <laughs> on I mean, a I, note. you know, <laughs> we know a lot of pe- people. I'm sure you do too. You know, who are who are dealing with something similar, and it's very important that they know that they're not alone. You know. Yeah. And um, yeah. because it can get lonely. I, you know, in those treatment rooms when you come home and and you or your partner, whoever's sick, is is too tired to do X, Y, Z, and and not themselves. So. To know that you're not alone in that is um, really important to yeah, share. Yeah, it's powerful. Okay, so recently we've been obsessed with mm-hmm. um, really dissecting, no pun intended, like the gut 
<laughs> the gut health and that whole that whole um, obsession and people really learning about the microbiome and connecting it to mental health. Um, I'm fascinated by it. My sister is a whole holistic nutritionist, and it oh, is nice. also really fascinated by it too. So we have like kind of daily chats about you know what's working for her and and maybe what I'm eating and what I'm feeling that day, whether I'm having a high or a low or I'm have a big come down and I'm just feeling, you know, disconnected from my creativity or my thoughts, whatever it is. So I'm just fascinated yeah, by that, by that whole um, conversation. So I would love to hand it over to you and kind of talk about what you've been studying and what you've been seeing and what's yeah. been working and not working for your clients, those around you. Yeah, for sure. So some people will go, well, Goodness, Charity, what in the world? What is all this talk with gut health lately and probiotics? And is this kind of a fad thing? Or why is this why is this kind of surfaced all of a sudden? It has to do with something called the, uh, the Human Microbiome Project, which that just actually finished up in 2013. Before we even kind of get into that, we have to step back to the early 2000s to something called um, the Human Genome Project. And this was basically a study of genes to try to kind of figure out a little bit more about the human genes and, and how they contribute to disease. And interestingly enough, when they were done with the, the genome study, they're like, huh, genes don't really um, answer as many of the things as we were hoping that they would. For example, humans have about 23,000 genes. Well, a, a rice plant has more than 40,000. And so they're like, well, that an earthworm has more more than a human. And you're like, how can humans be so incredibly complex with fewer genes than very very simple organisms in a sense? So that's what gave birth to the Human Microbiome Project, and what and that just finished up in 2013, and and that's why it's such kind of recent research. In, in the years since then, there's been a lot of funding that's gone into developing a little bit more knowledge about the microbiome. But what we now know is that humans, we have 10 times more bacterial cells than we do even human cells. And so what this tells us is that humans, we've learned we're, we're incredibly brilliantly complex uh, and, and we don't necessarily need genes for all of our functions. We've learned to outsource it to bacteria. So, so bacteria will do certain things in our body that we're reliant upon. But here's the here's kind of the kicker. The problem is in our day and age, we've kind of created a barrier between ourselves and the natural environment where bacteria is found. So like I don't know about you guys, but I don't I truthfully don't get out in nature nearly as much as I should. I didn't even do a garden this year. I'm not playing in dirt. My food, you know, sanitation laws in the country and antimicrobial soaps and antibacterial everything. We've basically just kind of created a barrier between this ecosystem of bacteria that our body really truly needs to thrive. And that's kind of why we've been seeing so many different gut issues, even brain issues, mood issues, anxiety, stress, um, skin problems, IBS, Crohn's disease, colitis, constipation. I mean, I could kind of go on and on, but we're really seeing and learning a lot of people have um, basically an imbalance and they need, they just need that bacteria to get back to where their body can thrive. With the with gut health. So are most people 
I guess, can you tell me a little bit more about the physiological part of it? So like, what is our digestive system like? How does it work? And like, how does our gut health relate to our digestive system? Because I'm kind of having a hard time visualizing it in my body. Yeah. Okay. So let's go, let's go with, first of all, the terminology gut. When people go, okay, yes. what, is what does she mean? That? Like, are we talking like that beer belly that hangs over the yes. sea? <laughs> so your gut actually begins in your mouth. A lot of people know that digestion begins in your mouth. So you're technically, if we're going to get technical, when we talk about kind of your digestive system, in a sense, we're talking about Everything from your mouth, so where food enters your body, all the way down to where food leaves your body. So, and there's enzymes and there's, I mean, there's a lot going on. So when people say your gut health, it really could be anything along that line. So food goes down your esophagus, it goes to your stomach, um, and then it's absorbed. All your nutrients are really essentially absorbed in your small intestine, but it's your large intestine, your colon, is where the majority of your bacteria is going to have a really, really important role. Um, and so what I tell people is that there's there's two things essentially that I, I recommend everybody kind of check in with themselves and go, huh, I wonder, I wonder how I'm doing on that checklist. So here's the two things. I'm not a proponent of any specific diet out there. I've been on every single one of them, but I am a huge proponent of fiber. It's boring, right? Boring, boring fiber. But from a disease prevention standpoint, from a nutritional standpoint, fiber is just key. And of all the nutrients in this country, it is, it's, pretty much at the very top of what Americans are just not getting enough of. And it's fiber. So the second thing that people need is healthy bacteria. And it sounds kind of crazy, but healthy bacteria feeds off of fiber. So for so long, we just thought fiber was just kind of this undigested food starch that just goes through the body and exits the body. Well, we now know it's actually a really powerful source of food and fuel for for good, healthy bacteria. Now, for somebody that struggled with weight loss, that, that would be the category I fall into. And I'm sure some of your listeners would consider themselves in that category also. We've heard for so long that diet and exercise are key to maintaining a healthy body. And they are like, I will tell that to the day I die, right? You've got to get a healthy um, diet and you've got to exercise, but there's one more element. I call it the trifecta that too often people aren't considering. And that third element is gut health. So let's say there's somebody that's changed their diet. They've met with a trainer. They're staying on point with their, with their, um, meal plan. And they're like, man, I did, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm not really losing weight. Kind of what's going on here. Well, they, they very well could have a gut imbalance in terms of healthy bacteria, because what happens is when healthy bacteria ferments, that's the terminology, it ferments the fiber. Um, something powerful is created. It's called short chain fatty acids. Now, when you first hear that word, I think it feels like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound very good, but it's nothing. It's actually a very positive thing. Short chain fatty acids are created in the large intestine and that's 
actually what triggers to your fat tissue or your adipose tissue that it can go ahead and release fat. What? So yeah, pretty fascinating. So, (laughs) so people that are struggling, they're like, man, I'm trying everything. Um, if they get on a good probiotic or really start kind of taking care of their gut, they can start seeing some amazing results. Wow. So with fiber, so with fiber, having fiber in your digestive system or having mm-hmm. it in your colon or your large intestine, you have the ability to produce short-term fatty acids, which signals to your body that you could release fat. Yep. Short-chain fatty acids is what they're called. Yes. Wow. People can Google it. Short-chain fatty acids. And they're like, oh my gosh, these are really important. How do I get more of these? And then you're like, eat fiber and get good healthy bacteria in your body. What wow. are your What are your favorite forms of fiber? That we can oh, be, be eating I mean, kind of every day easily. every single thing that your grandmother told you that you should be eating. Yeah. But sometimes people, you know, they thumb their nose at that. And they're like, oh, I hate broccoli. Well, guess what? Raspberries are loaded with fiber. Like a mm. cup of raspberries is loaded with fiber. Even, even avocado, right? We already know avocado is a good, healthy fat. But avocado is a great source of fiber. Artichokes and... and Beans. I'm a huge fan of beans, black beans, kidney beans, pretty much all plant food because fiber is essentially plant roughage. So all plant food has lots and lots of fiber. So people that are on a high protein diet, I just will caution them if they're, if their protein's coming from animal products rather than plant-based products, that animal products don't have fiber in them. It only comes from plants. So they just they might need to make an extra little effort to make sure they're getting enough fiber. And truthfully, most people aren't, like I mentioned earlier. I love um, phylum husk too. Yes. I love yes. phylum husk. I put it in my smoothies in the morning and it makes them so thick. And sometimes they'll even do like really quickly, I'll put phylum husk in a cup and then put water on it and I'll have to like chug it because mm. it gets so gelatinous. Yeah, But it's so good. Like I feel full for hours. It's amazing. Which is brilliant. And it's so, so good for you. In fact, they did a study and they took two groups, both trying to lose weight, but they told them don't do anything different. With the control group, they watched... And then with the intervention group, they gave them psyllium husk, one tablespoon in the morning and one tablespoon in the evening, and they lost more weight. And you mentioned the exact phrase, the gelatinous, it's forming nature of it, helps them to feel more full. And so they would eat less at their next meal. And it keeps you so regular. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. so so good for you. So, so it's psyllium husk. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Hey, it's it bless her heart. Yeah, she's special. One of those weird words. Yeah, psyllium husk. Yeah. Truth, not not everybody can handle it. It's um. So maybe the elderly people that might have had bariatric surgery. Sometimes little kids that are constipated. The psyllium husk is a little harsh. So there's mm-hmm. a product people can buy on Amazon called Tino, just T I N O, and it is um it it is a mixture of quite a few different fibers, which is also really good. We now know that different fibers, a lot of people think there's just one type of fiber. There's actually not. There's different types of fibers. Um, But we actually now know that different fibers actually fuel different types of bacteria in the body. So get a good variety of, you know, variety is always a good thing to remember when, when looking for a diet. I always tell people, you know, think of the rainbow and just try to get a few different types of colors in your diet and you'll be getting different types of antioxidants, different types of fibers. So that's kind of a little easy rule of thumb to remember. Now, in terms of the probiotics, like do probiotics... So 
I think I've just been like following the trend, right? Like I'll take my probiotics, <laughs> but do they make your bacteria healthier? Do they replace it? Do they... Yeah, like what are they? What, <laughs> what are we taking? <laughs> really good question. Okay, so probiotics basically are just healthy bacteria that offer a, a, a benefit to the host that are live that basically stay alive so that they can offer benefit to the host. Now, here's the sad thing. A lot of the probiotics on the market, we now know they don't make it to the large intestine. They have to be able to stay alive. So that's where they've got to get. Now, in order to get there, they've got you, your mouth has um, digestive enzymes. So some will be killed off there. Then your stomach has stomach acids. Then you've got bile salts that break down food. Then you've got pancreatic enzymes that break down food. And unfortunately, most probiotics on the market do not survive. You'll even see something that will say uh, they've got enteric coating, enteric coating to help them survive. Well, that may be true, but if you think of nature, what where is their enteric coating in nature? <laughs> so what I really tell people is there's a few things to watch for when you're looking for a probiotic. The first and foremost is look to see if it's DNA verified. Unfortunately, the supplement world has kind of gotten a bad rap a little bit lately that what was in the bottle wasn't actually what you know, I should say what was labeled on the bottle wasn't exactly what was in the bottle. So I recommend that they make sure it's DNA verified. That means that a third party is tested to say, hey, what's in here is actually what's in here. Um, the second thing that I tell people to, to look for is if the company says that it has been tested for survivability. That means it makes it all the way exactly through the system, like I said, and it, and it, is, um, it survives. So the truth is there's been a lot of mixed marketing and that it confuses people. When people are confused, a lot of the time they just don't know what to do. So they don't do anything. And I fall into that same category or I would buy, you know, refrigerated probiotics because that's what I heard was best. But then I realized, well, wait a minute, if it's refrigerated because it will die at room temperature, what's going to happen as soon as it hits my stomach acids? Huh? Like, yeah. That's, you know, and I'd spend a lot of money on those. Now, if I'm being fully transparent, there are some studies that show that even dead probiotics do offer a little bit of a benefit to the host. The body knows how to break them down and use use different portions for different things. So, But truthfully, if people are going to spend money, they want to make sure that it's going to do something. Otherwise, otherwise, they're wasting their money and they'd be better off doing fermented foods. But fermented foods are not probiotics, which makes, pe makes people crazy when I say that. But the, the main difference is this. Fermented foods are phenomenal. They will do amazing things for your gut. They've got nutrients in them that are so, so good for you. But here's the key difference. They will not colonize. So they won't get down to your large intestine and colonize. And truthfully, a really, really good probiotic is technically also an antibiotic, meaning it will identify parasites and kill them. It will identify fungus and kill them. It's kind of like a gardener that can go, ah, this is not supposed to be here. Let's get rid of it. So here's where that's, that's quite important, the colonizing aspect. Let's say somebody did a candida cleanse. And I'm going to use that as an example because I did a candida cleanse. I did a six-week cleanse and felt, felt amazing, but it wasn't very long after my cleanse was done where I was like, man, I kind of, I got the sugar cravings back. What's going on? I kind of feel like I'm back at square one. Well, here's what happened. 
you can cleanse a candida out of your out of your body, but it's really an overgrowth, okay? We all have candida. It's only when it's an overgrowth that it's a problem. But if you don't colonize the, I'm going to use a term, it's called the mucosal lining. If where, wherever that, so candida is really, really opportunistic. So if you don't recolonize that mucosal lining where the candida was, it's just going to keep on coming back. And that's where a really good probiotic will come into play. Mm. So it'll help recolonize that mucosal lining? Yes. With good exactly. stuff instead of candida, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep. And, and the people don't realize, so, we are constantly being exposed to good and bad bacteria, but there's certain things that people can do that can harm their healthy bacteria. So it's going to be the same old stuff that people are like, oh man, so a diet high in sugar, a diet high in processed foods, that's going to kill off some of your healthy bacteria. Obviously, anytime you're on an antibiotic, that's going to kill off all your bacteria, good mm. and bad bacteria. Chlorine in your water is going to kill your good bacteria. Living in a big city, we now know pollution um, kills off bad bacteria, even prolonged birth control, excessive alcohol use. All these things kind of deplete your healthy bacteria and, that, and hence the need for a probiotic. So I'm not one that believes everybody needs to go buy all these different supplements. Um, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a pure nutritionist where I feel like try to get it from your diet when possible. But probiotics, if, if you had a garden and you're pulling food out of your garden and brushing off your carrot, kind of just brushing off the dirt and then eating it, that's actually way better for you than <laughs> buying stuff. But a lot of us don't do that, right? That's just not necessarily realistic for us. Yeah, I haven't worked on my carrot garden in a, in a while. <laughs> in a while, right? <laughs> it's weird. I, I forgot about it. What's the difference between a prebiotic and a probiotic? Okay, good question. So prebiotic is one of the new um, kind of fad terms. Oh, I love a good fad. I follow all of them. <laughs> I know. And I love a good prebiotic. But if I'm going to be a whistleblower on the industry, I will tell you this. It really is just fiber. That's it is what. So you um, eat, drinking your psyllium husk every day, you're giving your body prebiotics. Mm. Now, ideally, you'd get a variety, a variety of different types of fibers. Um, like I mentioned before, different bacteria like different types of fibers. So the Tino I mentioned is a good prebiotic, but sometimes people get a little bit hyped up on there like, oh yeah, prebiotic. And I'm like, well, maybe go eat an apple and some spinach. Mm. Now, do you, do, do you take that before you eat food or no? Um, Does it matter? Uh, it, do you take what before you eat food? The prebiotic. Yeah, you can, or you can just, if you're, so, so the probiotic that I actually love and recommend is one by Silver Fern, and it does say right on the bottle, it, it does have pre and probiotics right in there. So, and then the question people often have is, there, which brings up a good point, like when, when should you take your prebiotics or probiotics? Mm, yeah. So the probiotics are really good probiotic that's going to survive um, will actually also help create enzymes in your body that help you digest food. Mm. And since you are eating fiber in a really good meal, it would make sense that your 
probiotics would actually like the fiber also. So um, for a good quality probiotic, like silver fern, for example, take it with the meal. It will actually help you with digestion. Um, there's some questions. Some companies will say, always take on an empty stomach at night before you go to bed. Hmm. Uh, well, here's why they're saying that. Because they're worried that if you eat it during the day or you eat it with food, the digestive system, you know, the digestive, digestive enzymes and the different things that are going to be um, digesting that food, like your stomach acids, will actually kill the probiotic. Mm. So that's another another sign. If it says, you know, take on an empty stomach or take before bed, um, that it might not it's be weak shit. the way you want it to. <laughs> it's yeah. weak shit and we don't like that. That's right. <laughs> so I was actually going to ask you enzymes. What are your thoughts on digestive enzymes? Yeah, so we're actually, I've been delving a lot into enzymes over the past few months. And the truth is that not everybody needs them, but it, they, they sure are beneficial to almost everybody, especially with what I feel, I, I truthfully feel like we're living in a high protein food fad yeah. that has been going on for quite a while that you turn on the commercials and they've added protein to everything, right? It's just like protein, 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 protein. If you say added protein, Justin, my boyfriend will buy it. What, whatever it is, okay. if you say okay. extra protein, he's, he's in. <laughs> but babe, well, it has extra protein. Justin, yeah. Justin might want to look into a digestive enzyme. I'll slip in Because in now, now they're finding people, they're just not digesting, especially with some of the protein powders that are out there. They're just, we're just not digesting all of the proteins. Then as people get older, we are digesting Digestive enzymes aren't quite as potent as they used to be. So digestive enzymes are another one of those things that absolutely won't hurt people. Not everybody needs them, but they, they certainly aren't harmful. They, they, they will just be helpful. But you've got to remember, you have to take them with a meal. It can't be like an hour later and you're like, oh, I forgot my enzymes. No, there's no point. Like just when you're, just when you're eating a meal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what, yeah. is, what has been like the link to, in terms of the effectiveness of the fiber and the probiotics on maybe anxiety or any type of mental health issues. And maybe even, I don't know, I haven't heard of like, like an excess of protein and what that does mm -hmm. to... Oh gosh. Well, could, could we, let's do a whole other podcast Literally. on excess of protein. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I've that been told... Like the Pandora's box for me. You know. I forget who we were talking to and... They were saying, I mean, we we always assume like, you know, 30, 40 grams of protein, amazing, but we really don't need that much 100%. protein. Right. Like, right. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So I will, I'm not going to, I won't get into, into absolute detail, but let me, when I teach clients or I teach classes, here's one thing that I walk people through. Um, I do believe that inside of us, like we, we are intrinsically we have the ability to identify truth, but sometimes we've got to dig a little bit deeper in our own brains. And so connect the dots. So if we eat too much fat, what does our body do with it? Um, stores yeah, it. Stores yeah. it. Exactly. Stores stores it. It. <laughs> and is that good for our, is that healthy for our body? No, no. it's not. No, depends on, <laughs> depends on where. I'm like, are you answering this yeah. or am I? Yeah, if you're an Eskimo, maybe. Okay, fair enough. But the next thing I would say to my class, okay, so we're talking macronutrients, and we, we our, our society needs to focus a little bit more on micronutrients. That's like your phytochemicals, your antioxidants, your soldiers in your food. But we get really hyped up on macronutrients, fats, carbs, and protein. So we already know if we eat too much fat, it's not good for our body. Our body doesn't 
It's not good for us. We already know that. It leads to inflammation. It leads to a lot of other problems. Next question is, if you eat too many carbs, what does your body do with it? Stores it. Exactly. And we now know, well, that's actually not very good for our body. We don't want to have an excess of carbs. Mm. Well, here's now where I believe that we're kind of being maybe sold a bit of a lie. And that is what, what happens when we eat too much protein? Well, a lot of people go, huh, there's, I I don't, I don't know. There's not really such thing as too much protein. I literally had a trainer say to me, there's no such thing as too much protein. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. How is there, how, how is there not a limit? How is there, now there's not, there's not enough scientific evidence yet to show what, what the upper limits are, but I think that they're going to be coming out because the rates of um, disease are going up. I personally believe that there is such thing as too much protein. And does it, I, I assume that it depends on the type of protein. So if you have an excess, like all protein isn't made the same and correct me if I'm wrong, literally you don't no, know. You're right. Um, yeah, all protein is not created the same. But if someone had 100 grams of plant protein, would they have to do the same like kind of maintenance or, you know, fix it like they, it would be for 10, 100 grams of like animal, uh, animal protein? protein. Yeah. yeah. So then you kind of go, huh, I wonder if there's been any studies done on that. I wonder if there's been anything published done on that. And there actually has. Uh, the China study is a phenomenal book. Are you guys familiar yes, with the China study? It's amazing. Yes. Favorite. Yeah. yeah. So they did a study and they're like, huh, I wonder what would happen. Well, they got, this is actually one of the very first books I read. Um, this was, gosh, back in like 2007, 2008, where they, they go, we were able to turn cancer cells on and off. We could literally watch them grow or turn them off. And they said, we'd never ever seen anything done like that. And, and, and the catalyst was how much animal protein they couldn't, they couldn't mimic the same thing with plant protein. Mm. So am I saying that people shouldn't have animal protein? No, I'm not saying that every, everybody's different. I'm not here to promote any specific diet, but I would say that, yeah, there, there are, there are studies that have been able to show that they can turn on disease or, or that there is a connection with excess animal protein and disease. And, and they have not actually been able to do that same study ever with beans or legumes or spinach or any sort of plant protein. So it's, there's a lot we don't know, right? We're still learning, but it certainly is quite interesting that um, what we do know some, sometimes is even hard for people to, to digest, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. <laughs> Good one, sister. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about, so we talked about, you mentioned it at the beginning of the oh, podcast. brain. Sorry. Yes. yes. So, but we've got to come back to the brain. Yes, brain. That's what, yes. Okay, yes. Okay, okay. So for a long time, we thought, okay, the brain communicates phenomenally well with the entire body. It's amazing. The brain connects to the gut, blah, blah, blah. Well, now we know that 90% of the communication goes from the gut to the brain. Okay, so think about that for a minute. It's your, we used to think maybe it was your brain telling your gut how you felt, but now we go, this this gut-brain connection is pretty fascinating. So it's the gut that's communicating to the brain of maybe how you would feel, for example. But we also know that something like serotonin, serotonin is that happy neurotransmitter, makes you feel good. We know that 80, 90% of that is created in the gut. We also know there's other neurotransmitters that um, a good 
healthy bacteria is what is um, helped use to create those neurotransmitters. So if your gut's off, there's a very good chance your, your brain is off. In fact, there's doctors that are dealing with people that suffer from anxiety. A lot of teenagers these days, we're seeing mood disorders, stress disorders, um, but a lot of them are, are finding an interesting link that when they ask them about their gut, how regular are you? Do you how often are you, you know, bloated, gassy, is constipation an issue or whatever? They're, they're noticing a link between brain issues and gut issues. Here's another example. So there is a lot of addiction out there, sadly to say, like I told you, I've been studying addiction, whether it is something like pornography or drug addiction or sugar addiction or whatever. We have a neurotransmitter called GABA. GABA is kind of like an anti-excited neurotransmitter. It's actually one that will kind of calm you down, help you release addictive thoughts. But when people do not have enough GABA in their brain, let's say they've got a pornography addiction. Well, a healthy brain would be able to maybe, I don't know, see a photo and, and then be able to kind of release those thoughts. But without enough GABA in the brain, it just can't let go. It can't let go. It can't calm the brain down. Mm. And so GABA, we know, is um, dependent on bacteria. There's there's bacteria that help create GABA. So really, really, and there's more research coming out all the time about the link between the brain and the gut and bacteria and something called dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is when, when there's an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in your body. And, and so then people go, well, how do I know? How do I know if I have a, an imbalance? Well, there's a few signs. One could be Bring your skin. You know, if you're like, oh, my skin's amazing, like it's glowing and radiant. Or if you're like, actually, I wish I could wear a ski mask. I wish that were socially acceptable, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it depends on where they are. Or you could say, obviously, things, the, the, more, the more obvious ones are, does food make your stomach hurt? Because I'm, I've been very blessed. I've got an iron gut. I've, I have no gut issues. Food does not make me hurt ever. Like it's, mm. so that's that's another thing. But here's an here's an interesting one. How are your sugar cravings? Sugar cravings often come from a, from bad bacteria. And so for me, I I did five days. Five days is what it takes. And this is what I recommend from, to my clients too to do. Two, two, well, three things. To be fair, we're going to do three things to help get rid of a sugar craving. Because man, when you have sugar cravings, they're real. It's like, I, I almost tackled the kid for a donut. Like we're talking real stuff. Okay? <laughs> I know how you feel, girl. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, when you're in the moment, it's like saying, it's like, okay, get off sugar. Well, that's like saying to an alcoholic, how about you just don't drink today? It's not always that easy. Yep. So for five days, I, I recommend that they do the test. The first thing is, just try, just try at least, you know, don't, don't do too much excessive sugar. I'm not saying give it all up for those five days, but just try. That's step number one. Step number two is get on a good probiotic, one that's going to survive, one that will identify bad bacteria that will get rid of it and help get your gut back on track. And the third thing that I recommend that I've actually become quite a big fan of is intermittent fasting. Now that term originally, you know, had fear written all through my face. I'm like, I hate fasting. And it means different things to different people. But when I say intermittent fasting, here's my definition. Giving your body um, a time of rest between dinner and breakfast. Studies show for females 
ideally they would go 12 to 14 hours. And this is from a gut standpoint, okay? This is from how to improve your gut by killing off bad bacteria, okay? So this has nothing to do with calorie. You would still eat all your calories. It's just about the window with which you would be eating your calories. So what we what we know is there are so many strains of bacteria in our body, like billions. We can't we can't even identify all of them right now, but there are some really healthy strains in your large intestine that we can't duplicate outside of the body. Imagine that mother nature did it, but we can't. So we know that those specific strains proliferate or they multiply, um, at their very best in a fasted state when they're not fighting with other bacteria that's eating food. They're not fighting with anything else. They're just, your body's in a state of rest. We know now that that healthy bacteria actually starts to grow. So men do better by, science shows men unfortunately do better by going a little bit longer, 14 to 16 hours. So when I work with clients, I just say, listen, if you're going to eat dinner, let's say you finish eating dinner at 6 p.m., just don't have breakfast till 6 or 7 the next day. Like that's pretty reasonable. And I think intuitively we go, huh, that actually really, really feels right. That makes sense that your body would need a time of rest. So those three things, trying to stay off sugar, getting good probiotic, and trying intermittent fasting, I'm not even joking. In five days, people will be like, um, like, is this voodoo magic? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I literally feel totally in control. Does sugar still look good, taste good, feel good? Of course it does. But am I in control? They're like, this is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I felt like so... I am a fan of sugar. It's like, it's, it's my thing. And sometimes, honestly, so I'm vegan, I'm vegan ish. And I would used to eat this type of ice cream, whatever. And I honestly would like feel my brain being like, yo, this is the best thing I've ever done. And all I want to do in my life is eat this fucking ice cream. Like it would (laughs) literally be telling myself that like, all right, yo, let's like lock ourselves in a room and have a hundred more pints of this ice cream and just like call, call it like a, a, call it a night. But um, since sort of having less sugar in my life, um, I felt like a difference in my personality and mood and my ability to like handle my emotions, my ability to handle stress. Um, The other day I ate, I haven't had like a lot of a sugar binge. You know, I use that term like loosely. It's not anything out of control or anything that like controls my life. But I had a sugar binge, had like there was cupcakes in the office. And sometimes when you're in an office at work, it's very low and you're just like alone with the cupcakes and you just kind of eat them. (laughs) Um, So I ate them and I felt immediately that sense of like anxiety and that a sense of like my mood shifting to like more fear-based and more like out of control than it has been in so long. And I remembered what it was like to kind of feel controlled by sugar and like how it takes over your emotions and it makes you upset it makes you angry. It really just can change your entire outlook. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. In fact, I've just been on my Instagram the last week posting over and over different studies, different things that I'm reading about dopamine receptors in the brain. And um, my Instagram is a vibrant life. So not everybody's interested, but for those people that are where they're like, oh yeah, I hear you. Like sugar is my thing. Um, it's it's very, very interesting that the similarities between cocaine and heroin and sugar on the brain. And people are like, oh, come on now. That's, that's pretty extreme. And you're like, well, in some ways it's extreme because it doesn't control our behavior. But from a brain scan, it's, it's no different. Mm, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. So, so when people have cravings, right, we're trying to get, I like to think of it in the terms of I'm trying to heal my brain from the sugar and I'm trying to heal my body from the bacteria that wants the sugar also. Mm. So what do you suggest, you know, in terms of how people can come off of the sugar without cutting it cold turkey? Are there like substitutes that they can incorporate, you know, right away and then a little less, little less over time? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gosh, that could be a whole, that could be a podcast in and of itself with sugar. And there's different, there's different philosophies out there. So, and brains are actually quite different. We, we, we know that about 30% of the population has their brain is just wired differently, that they are more susceptible to addiction. That's it. There's no, there's no other way to say it. They've got less dopamine receptors in their brain. Some people will go, I wonder if that's me. I know that that's me, but they've also found that if you have alcoholism that runs in your family, um, yep, check that's me, especially if it's on your paternal side. Um, yep, that's me, that there's a chance that you fall into that category of that the 30% of Americans have brain susceptibility. And actually 18% would say that they even have high brain susceptibility. They did tests with rats and mice. They found the same thing with rats. Not all rats will get addicted, but 30% will. Um, but here's the other interesting thing that people really need to remember, even if they don't fall onto that brain addiction, like the susceptibility, um, too much exposure to an addictive substance can create an addiction also. So that's kind of interesting. But so there's, there's, there's different ways. For some people, they really are better off just going cold turkey. Like, that's it. I'm done. This is, this is bad for me. I'm not going to eat it. And then other people do really, really good at easing into it by making maybe protein balls that are, you know, you use dates and nuts and cocoa powder or whatever that just kind of help them get through the cravings. Um, Silverfront has an amazing chocolate that has probiotics in the chocolate and it's sugar-free. It's that so helps good. me get off my cravings. Yeah. So just finding, I, I do feel like substitutes do help people kind of wean them off. Just even if it's something like a, a tablespoon of honey, right? Yeah, I will not admit to doing that, but I may or may have not done that before where I'm like, I just need something to wean myself off. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the struggle is real, ladies. It's real for a lot of people. Well, I think once you realize how good you feel when you're not consuming sugar on a regular basis, I think it becomes like a normal feeling to have that like high and that energy and that I'm, you know, even if you have like a bunch of grapes in the morning or something, right? Like I love fruit, you know, I don't think I'll ever cut out fruit completely, but... No, um, I'm a big fan of fruit. It's it's loaded with fiber. Too. Yeah, I yeah. I think of the big picture. Tons of antioxidant nutrients. I mean, fruit is not sugar. And I actually, I cringe when people are like, oh yeah, I don't do fruit because of the sugar. I'm like, oh no, no. Yeah. Yeah. So many nutrients. It's Aww. so true. Yeah. I, I, I just noticed like in the morning, if I have any type of uh, sugary anything, um, it's usually something I gravitate towards and it's and, and it's fruit and I, I love the fruit, but sometimes I do hit a little bit of a I, I guess I don't yeah, I don't couple it. it harder I don't couple it with, with sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. couple it with like a protein or a fat. I now I've been doing like an avocado with with other things on it, like an egg or whatever it is. Yes. And that seems to Smart. I begin yep, my day. Yep. 
Yeah, much more evenly. So I'm just kind of like floating into my day rather than like a fucking rocket ship. And I'm like, (laughs) then I hit a wall by like one or two. And now it's just like a really nice release of energy. And I'm not feeling like so, so overwhelmed. Yes, yes. That you've got it. You hit it right on. Just just pair it with some other things, and it will it will um, not hit your blood sugar quite as quickly. Mm. Okay, I want to talk about what are your thoughts on colonoscopies and colonics? Yeah. So, gosh, there's uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. Or I guess it would just be a colonic. A colonoscopy is like medically recommended. Yes. So, okay. yeah, colonoscopy. <laughs> Obviously, colon cancer is the number two cause of cancer deaths. My husband was not that old. And and so colonoscopy, yep, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as colonics go, I'm a fan of colonics. I'm a fan of enemas. Um, I've become a fan. This is going to freak people out. They're going to be like, this lady is weird. I've become a fan of coffee enemas. Mm. But there is actually some science now, unfortunately, that shows too many colonics does flush out good bacteria. Mm. So if people are like, oh my gosh, I'm on this cleanse and I, I do a colonic every day for 14 days, I might be like, okay, well, okay, that's okay. Just please, please be taking a really good probiotic. Make sure you're building up your healthy bacteria while you're doing those. So what's the difference between an enema and a colonic? Uh, just the... Um, Oh, we're real, really going to get into the nitty yeah, gritty. Let's um, do it. Basically, how far the water is going to—it's a colonic is going to be like a high-powered. You know, think of a car wash where you just kind of pour a little water over it. That would be similar to maybe an enema, whereas a high-powered car wash is going to be a colonic. <laughs> so I don't even know how it works. So it basically blasts water in your in your butthole, and then <laughs> yeah, you poop in your butthole. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> I love hearing you say butthole. I just want you to say butthole again. <laughs> Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast, where we laugh when we say the word butthole. Because we're, we're almost 30. <laughs> oh, that's funny. One other thing that I thought you guys would be interested in is some new science that has come out um, in terms of athletes and mm. strenuous exercise and, oh, and how strenuous exercise up. affects your gut. Lindsay's listening. Yeah. Oh, good. She's so, a fitness instructor. She's on the bike 14, 13 times a week. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, here, this will be interesting to you. Um, there, there is, there's, more and more and more evidence that shows that athletes are actually more susceptible to gut issues. And that is because for some reason that, well, I shouldn't say for some reason, there's actually, there's actually a reason for it. When you're, when your body is exercising, that blood is being concentrated to those muscles and some of it is leaving, um, your gut and Mm. that actually impairs some of your healthy bacteria. Mm. So there's, they did it. They did a cool study with some athletes. They did, um, they tested their performance and then they asked them to just get on a probiotic for 30 days and don't change anything else. And then they came back and they tested their performance again and there was a significant improvement. Now, by the by the term significant, that's um, a statistical 
uh, terminology in studies. It has to have a certain, reach a certain level, and then they would say it was significant. So um, that Hmm. was just kind of an interesting study. And there's actually more and more coming out with athletes just just to be aware of. It's kind of one of those things where somebody goes, oh, my dad died a heart attack. My granddad died of a heart attack. And so did his dad. So then you go, huh. Well, that tells you that you're actually prone to heart disease. You probably need to just be, be watching what you eat, right? You, mm-hmm. You've got just know, just know yourself. That's the same thing with an athlete. I'm, I'm, I would never say, oh, you should be afraid or, oh, you should cut back. Absolutely not. But just be aware that your um, healthy bacteria, you might want to be replenishing it or for more, even more reasons, maybe watch your alcohol consumption, watch your sugar intake because those things are going to deplete your good bacteria also. So just things, just interesting things to be aware of with your body. No, it's so interesting. I mean, I I have a pretty iron gut and I don't feel like I have... Well, what I do find is that my uh, stool is inconsistent. So meaning like there will be some days when it goes through me quite quickly. So I know that that's not healthy. Um, so it's not as solid. But then there are other days where it's like solid and and looks like it should look. So I definitely, I mean, I definitely know it's because of how much I overwork my body. And also just like on a, like for hydration and gut health, do you, I mean, obviously hydration is key in, in, yeah. in a lot of things, but um, what do you see, like what happens when you are properly hydrated to, to your gut? What happens there? Yeah. So just there's, there's, you know, H2O, H2O. That's everybody knows that that's waters, but those are actual things that, that your body uses. So, so in your gut, there's different things that need the H there's different things that need the O the oxygen. And when you don't have them, your body just is not functioning properly. Now that's everything from gosh, your muscles not working properly without the, the water, but, but from, from, uh, how regular kind of thing are you? People that have gut issues, hydration is huge, 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 huge. They've got they've got to stay hydrated. I mean, that's kind of old news that sometimes people forget. But unfortunately, like people think, well, I drink Diet Coke, that's hydration. You're like, um, actually, that's not hydration. Or I had an energy drink before I went to work. Yeah, that's not hydration. We're just we're just talking water or. Um, tea, right? Herbal tea, different teas. That's, that, that's real water or mixing your protein shake with water, right? Those are all different ways to hydrate. Mm. But I'm a big fan of, you can drink whatever you want, as long as your water intake, you're meeting your water requirements, which is about half your body weight in ounces. Okay. I'm on it. It's a constant struggle. Awesome. I don't, I never know when I'm hydrated or not. I'm, I'm assuming I'm dehydrated most of the time, kind of no matter how much water I drink because I'm losing so much. Yeah. The other, the other thing to remember though, people that are, uh, you said you, you eat predominantly a plant-based diet. Yeah. 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 So, so your diet will actually be more hydrated than Mm, the average American diet. So let's say you had a big salad and then fruit and you're like, honestly, I'm just, I'm really not that thirsty. Then for you, I'd be like, great. Great. You don't, I mean, you're, you're eating a lot of hydrated foods already. Yeah. That's so true. Eat your water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love what we've covered. Me I feel too. Like- <laughs> this has been over. amazing, no, Cherry. No, last question for me. I 
just to kind of circle back, have you has your your husband's diet changed in uh, treating oh, as he's gosh. been fighting? Yeah. Yes, it has. That's that is a very interesting, surprisingly emotional question for me. Actually, mm. that you would just say that I feel like emotion coming up inside of me. Mm. Um, yeah, he is the day. So here's my my sweet. Oh gosh, that love of my life. He knew every calibrated diet coke machine in the city. <laughs> So when we would travel, I'm not even joking. He had a a mug as a carry-on. I'm like, Dan, you're so disgusting. (laughs) Who does that? And he was a burger and fry kind of guy. He ate ice cream all the time, but he was always thin. Like he's like, you know, it was never, and I'd have a bite if it was ice cream and and would put on word. Wait, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is crazy. So the day he was diagnosed, he said, babe, you've been telling me for years that this, I, I need to change my diet. And he did. He went full vegan. Mm. Um, we juiced, he, we juiced every day. He did infrared saunas. We did. I mean, diet was, was definitely a very, very large part of it. And unfortunately the cancer just kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And then I felt divinely prompted almost like a brick on the head because I had to meet with five different specialists before I would even try it. And we put him on, he's on a ketogenic diet right now. Oh, um, wow. And and I'll be honest, I'm not a fan. Overall, it makes me crazy. Yeah. But I, I can tell you why he's on a ketogenic diet. So a healthy human body, we have two ways to create energy. We use glucose and we create energy. But in the emergency that our body couldn't have access to glucose, our body can convert ketones to energy. So we've got a glycogenic pathway and we have a ketogenic pathway. Well, cancer cells do not have a ketogenic pathway. So we are doing our very best right now to starve his cells of all glucose. But it's one of those things where he's not getting maybe the nutrients from the foods that I wish he were, but we're kind of to that point where we're, we're, we're trying it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep us posted on that. Cause yeah, yes. I've been hearing a lot about that. And then a lot of like the research around Alzheimer's and Down syndrome Diabetes and cancer on and that. Different thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and the truth is he prefers that to the vegan diet. Sure. <laughs> I prefer it, but he also has to be very, very, very strict. He very. Right? There's no point in him being ketogenic and then him taking a few bites here and there mm-hmm. of other things that will knock him out of ketosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that would even, that'd be more, way more challenging than a vegan diet. Yeah, I do from too. From my personal and, perspective. And, and I'll, I'll share with you one thing that I've learned. I mean, it's been a journey of, it's been very humbling, lots of tears, lots of learning, lots of growing, lots of kissing and hugging. But one thing that, that was striking to me is that a healthy body is actually different than a sick body. So they actually respond to foods differently. They respond to insulin differently. They respond to glucose differently. And I think a lot of time we, we talk in our culture about different foods or diets or whatever, and we assume that a healthy body and our sick body are the same, and they're just not. So my one huge plea to everybody out there is keep your body healthy. Mm. Like don't let it get to it till it's sick. We are now classifying obesity as a disease. 
It's a disease because your body is no longer functioning. Your cells, your organs, they're no longer functioning the way a healthy body functions. Mm-hmm. And so are there, are there, are there, you know, I don't know, steps to be taken for a sick body that, that I wouldn't recommend for a healthy body? Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. That's crazy. Keep us posted on that. That's so interesting. I was actually, that's very interesting. So, and we're praying for you. We're praying for your husband. Um, Thank you. Your light around it and your love is so inspirational and, and beautiful. And yeah, this was, this was an amazing conversation. I feel so enlightened. You're so smart. You're so well-spoken. You're so passionate. And I know that our listeners are going to really love to learn about this. They just eat up the wellness and health stuff. So they are going to be taking, <laughs> taking little notes. Oh, good. Well, you guys are so sweet. And I did want to mention that you guys, um, for all of your listeners out there, they can get, if they use a code, almost 30, that's the code, almost 30, they can get 15% off of their order at silverfern.com, silverfernbrand.com. Silverfernbrand.com. And I've been taking um, their probiotics for the past couple of weeks now. I love, love them. It's really helped just kind of like, I feel just a less bloated and I feel like I wake up with like that flatter stomach because I've had my good probiotics. And then I also had some of the fiber drinks, the with the packets. I forget what that's called. Oh, the wide drinks, the probiotic wide drinks. I love them. Like I ran out in like two days. I was kind of bummed because I love to drink water. Not really all the, but like it's so boring. So it has fiber. It's delicious. I need more of those packets like ASAP. Um, but Silver Ferns products are so, so well made and amazing. So we're so excited to um, share that code with you guys. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You guys are, you guys are uh, amazing. I love what you're doing. I love your energy. Oh, thanks. So, so fun. (laughs) Likewise, sis. We'd love to have you back on. I'm sure we have a lot more Mm -hmm. to talk about as things develop too. But thank you so much for making the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we know it's late. So thanks thanks so much, Charity. (laughs) So fun. 